Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. All right there, Jets fans. Finally, we're doing it. Episode 58 of the Jet Centric Podcast. Before I get to talk about the, that, I will let you know that it is like pretty much our one-year anniversary. Some of you have probably seen us tweeting about that. But uh, one-year anniversary since we started this podcast. 25,000 original listens on it. Uh, we're at episode 58. So it's been a pretty pretty great year. We've had a lot of awesome guests and everything. So happy anniversary to us. That's uh, pretty cool. Lots of great stuff coming up too. Um, coming next week. Uh, have an uh, interview with Marat. Just talk about the Jets in general post uh, draft and what that's uh, what they look like so far, and maybe what they're going to be working towards. Also, Max Skeezy, one of the scouts, uh, we're chatting on Monday or Tuesday. We're going to do an interview, talk about uh, scouting, and his his take on the draft and, and what that looks like. And then also we have Bartley Kivas talking about the business side of the Winnipeg Jets or True North, I suppose. Um, and yeah, this episode 58 has Brian and Mike talking about all the players that the Jets drafted. I believe that they recorded the day after the draft, but had technical difficulties as per usual um, to try and get that audio to me in a form that I could actually put up for the podcast. So we have it now. Um, we've had development camps since then. Uh, I really liked Sandberg and Green and Veselainen. I was there three days, but not full days the times that I went. And uh, it was good. I'm not going to get into that too much, so... Hopefully some of you are able to take that in, but let's get on to the episode at hand and I'm going to shut up. Here it goes. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 58 of the Jet Centric Podcast. I am Mike Friesen and I am hosting this episode. Uh, and with me today is uh, Brian Yager. Yager, I hope I'm saying it right. How's it going today, Brian? You had it right the first time. I think Yamir. Uh, it's been a while since I've been a part of one of these, so hope I don't forget how to do these. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's great to have you on, and um, especially on uh, this, the day that we're recording. Uh, I guess the dust has just settled from the uh, 2019 NHL entry draft, uh, and that's where the Jets, our Winnipeg Jets, were able to draft some pretty intriguing pieces. So uh, thanks for coming on to uh, to talk about it with us. Oh, sure thing. I The draft is kind of what I, I live for now, and I love it. Well, I think that's really uh, a godsend because uh, most of us listening, and certainly myself, uh, would agree that we do not know a lot about the world of under-18 uh, hockey players. So uh, really glad to have the help from you today. Um, I guess let's just jump right into it then, if that's all right. Uh, Let's start off with, uh, I thought we'd just start off, I guess, overview. Uh, if you can just kind of give us the context for kind of how the Jets the, uh, entered this draft, I suppose. Uh, and then we'll look at each pick in particular uh, and just start the education process. Start, uh, start teaching us about who these new uh, members of the Jets are. So, uh, yeah, so I guess the Jets have made some win-now moves lately. Uh, and they've been, I guess, without a full slate of their picks, it's fair to say. Uh, you want to just tell us what the Jets had to play with going into this draft? I mean, going into the draft, we'll say last week, the Jets didn't even have their first. And I, you guys have beaten the Truba trade to, to death already, so I'm not going to get into that. With the trade, they got back their uh, first-round pick, and then they had their second round, their fourth, yeah, their fourth round, and then two fifth rounds. So not too many picks. We only wind up with five players that the Jets selected and really the Jets had I'm not going to say a fantastic draft but once they made their first round selection they almost locked themselves into having a very good draft I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce his name Hainola I'm the Finnish names always get me and you'd think by now I'd I'd know but the kid is a hell of a player. Um, F, honestly, I could see him being a one-and-done over in Europe and making the jump to the AHL or the NHL by next season. Going on to the second round, I'll just go through one by one if you want. Go for it. That would be great. 
All right, uh, second round. Uh, Lundmark is Swedish defenseman, and people that know me know that I kind of have a bias towards Swedish players, but I'm for, I'm not crazy about this pick for the Jets. I think they could have had him later on. I think it's a bit of a reach, but I see this more of a move to get some more right side depth. Because with losing Truba, you're losing a lot of right-hand skill. And Myers is likely going to Vancouver. So after that, you, after Bufflin, you, the Jets don't really have too much. I mean, Luke Green, uh, Gwank, and uh, Kovacevic, that's all I can think of off the top of my head that they have in the pipeline in Pullman. So not too much there. So this is just another move to bolster that side. Nothing right. Like there's a. I mean, we're talking with prospects. A pretty high fail rate, really, in the end, is what we're talking about. So you just yep. need to have these these lottery tickets. And I'm trying to remember what uh, what the uh, like. Just as a fan, I mean, you pin your hopes on these guys that you've just learned their names, and then unfortunately, though, like the odds are, uh, even though you're you know these guys are going to be compared to existing NHLers, the odds are like four or five percent for a lot of these guys after the first round i think i'm is that about right about four or five percent is that a little pessimistic maybe i don't know i there there's an actual number and i can't i can't tell you what it is off the top of my head it it might have been hovering around the 10 percent range but it could have been single digits i don't remember so i don't want to give you a concrete answer right but well, yeah this is definitely Lunmark is absolutely a lottery ticket move. And I mean, reading the quotes that describe him from scouts, like he has very good defensive reads and is always well positioned. He wins himself time by being perfectly positioned when he gets the puck. I mean, that's, that's real generic stuff. So you can't even really get a huge gauge on how he is. And I, I can't find any Swedish junior league footage enough to where I can actually get a good look at how he plays. So, I mean, it's he's kind of a mystery. He's ranked anywhere from, at most, 87 to 153, and he was picked 51st overall. Granted, that doesn't mean anything, but it seems like they could have had him later on in the draft. Right. And, I mean, so you mentioned the Swedish Junior League. Was he playing... Uh, in his most recent year, was he playing? Did he make the jump to playing with men yet? I'm always curious about that. He did. He he split the time in uh, uh, oof, boy, uh, Linkoping between their junior and their SHL team. When he was with the SHL team, he put up three points in 28 games, and when he was with the junior league, he put up 17 and 25. I did the uh, numbers on his NHL equivalency with the junior league, and it was around 11 points a game. Or not 11 points a game, 11 points a season at his current rate at the NHL level. So not ideal. Not ideal. I mean, I guess, uh, but also not nothing. Like, basically, the Jets are banking on their scouts uh, like seeing something like that this guy has room to grow, uh, which I guess, by the way, physically, the one thing every uh, every draft podcast talks about or every draft uh, uh, commentary talks about is his is his height. Right. That's the most important thing. So uh, I hear he's uh, I hear he's got some size that he brings to the table, not not Logan Stanley's size. But, um, but uh, this isn't an undersized defenseman that the Jets picked here in the uh, in the, at 51. No, he I mean, I. I keep going back to this, but he's not too far off from the size of Truba, especially when he was drafted. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying he's anywhere near Truba on skill level or anything, but uh, around the same size as him. Is he the style of player, just from what you've been reading, that that Jets fans should feel good about? Like uh, he, he's got a lower points. NHL equivalency, which is basically a mathematic. You can you explain actually what an NHL equivalency is? Actually, that would be probably helpful. Yeah. Uh, so NHL equivalency is just a way to analyze 
basically how many points they would put up hypothetically in the NHL at their current scoring rate in junior. So, for example, he put up, what was it? He put up 17 points in 25 games. And when you take the uh, do the equation, I'm not exactly sure how to do it. It depends on the league. But his would have been 11 out of 82. So that's right. basically what it is. Yeah, and that's just kind of a big picture, broad stroke, like huge data sample kind of just just rough rough in there on on a number like that then. Yeah, and it's he he's not going to be a high ceiling player. He's not a home run hit. So it he could be worse. He could be better. I mean, uh he, he's nowhere near as good of a pick as their first rounder. And like I said, when they picked him, they already kind of clinched themselves into having a good draft because that's how good he is. Right. So I started asking this question before, but um, I just wanted to finish just real quick. Is Just on his style of play, is this the guy, is this the kind of pick that Jets fans should be just generally encouraged by what their scouts are seeing? Uh, or or is it a bit more of a pessimistic thing? Um, on Loonmark, I would say it's kind of in the middle. I mean... The Jets amateur scouts have been known to reach and it's worked out for them in the past. Like, I mean, Shifley was a reach. Truba was a reach, sort of like so they they've reached before and it's worked out for them just fine. Their second round picks. I don't think they've had a second round pick pan out yet. So. Actually, I'm glad that you bring that up because as a part of my homework, I wanted to just give the optimist and pessimist prediction uh, for um, kind of what the Jets have done historically. Uh, So round by round. So, for example, if you're an optimist, uh, looking at what the Jets have done with with their second round picks, if you're an optimist, uh, Nick Patan, 43rd, 43rd overall, is basically kind of an example of the Jets' best second-round pick, actually, uh, thus far. So, um, so that's kind of what, in the in the sample size of I think seven or eight drafts now, that's what the Jets have have done with their second-round pick. So, if you hate Nick Patan, by the way, uh, your probably runner-up is Eric Comrie, uh, or some guys that haven't really had their shot yet, like a Dylan Sandberg or David Gustafson. So, uh, meanwhile, if you're a pessimist, uh, Lucas Sutter, 39th overall, was last seen playing for the University of Saskatchewan in 2016 and 17. So that's, uh, that's, uh, I'm kind of going to, I'm going to kind of just echo back when you, with your commentary, uh, we'll just do that just to keep this in kind of context to see <laughs> just kind of what the, what the high end and low end outcomes can be. So uh, I definitely don't see this guy being a Lucas Sutter because that, it, <laughs> I mean, that's a real low bar, but <laughs> I, I think he's more of a, I don't want to say a boring safe pick, because he, he's kind of not, you can't really call a reach like that a boring safe pick, but I think he'll wind up being a middle of the road AHL guy. Some decent depth that you could possibly call up in a super tight pinch. That's just what I've kind of gathered from looking over everything with him. Yeah. And you need those kind of guys ultimately. So, um, so ultimately, uh, so I guess ultimately that's a, I guess ultimately that's a reasonable grade. But you're probably not going to get a guy that, that uh, that just goes crazy and uh, and uh, turns into a top four D man in all likelihood, basically. But we wish him the best. Uh, we wish him the best, and um, we're gonna move on to. So the Jets actually then traded uh, had traded the, they were without a third round selection. So as I understand it, with their with their next pick at 103rd overall, they kind of did take a bit more of a high ceiling player. Uh, I have Henry Nikonin, 133rd overall, uh, their fourth round pick. Is is he a bit more of a high ceiling guy? Was that a little bit more of a potential steal there? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, coming into this year, Nikonin was supposed to be a first round pick, and once again they they dipped their hands into the well known as Finland, and 
they just they keep pulling out talent. I mean, the the joke now is, oh, the Jets are just Finnipeg, and they they kind of are because whatever scouts they send over there are getting some really good guys. I mean, we can Line is kind of the obvious one, but Veselainen, Niku, and now Nikanen. I mean, th- this kid could. I don't want to say could be, but there's a chance that he could be the second line center that the Jets have been trading all their first round picks for. Yeah, I'm seeing here that he was ranked number 21 amongst European skaters, um, actually fairly recently, uh, but he had just dropped quite a bit, I guess, even just over the second half of the season, uh, which I don't which I don't believe is due to his bad play, if I understand correctly. No. Something else going on there? uh, Injuries. Injuries kind of took their toll on him, and when that happens, scouts aren't going to get as good of a look at you, and they're just going to kind of, as bad as it is, they're going to kind of forget that you're there, and that's when it comes on one team to say, hey, I remember seeing this guy, like, I know he was hurt, but you know that the ceiling is still there and they they have a high level player here and that's kind of why the woundmark pick isn't as catastrophic as you might want to say it is because you have your guy that is very well could have been your second round pick right well, do you think that some of the reason that drew the jet, or one of the reason that drew the Jets to this player was the fact that he's a talented player, but has been kind of stuck on a on the bench in a fourth line role, under underutilized, and maybe that'll maybe that'll prepare him for life with under Paul Maurice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to answer that truthfully. That was just some red meat for the uh, any troll listeners we have. We no, do not need to take that seriously. <laughs> no, I. Uh... I'm I'm not going to talk about Paul Maurice. I uh, I've kind of been on sabbatical from the entire sport of hockey because of Paul Maurice, so I'm not going to talk about him. But I mean, <laughs> I'm going to give you a, a kind of answer, and yeah, him being down and out like that could very well prepare him for eating popcorn. Which I mean. It's kind of a bummer to even kind of go down that rabbit hole on the on the day of the NHL dr- entry draft because, but unfortunately, it's the truth that all these players are drafted and there's there's high hopes and and uh, you know every one of them feels like the apple of of the organization's eye or the fan base's eye, but um, but like we said before, like the Jets' best ever second round pick so far has been Nick Patan, who just. Even you know he's he gets he he got it he's getting some shots but it's it's so hard to get what would be considered like a, at least what some would consider a fair shot right I mean yeah and but I mean we've beaten the Nick Patan topic to death so I'm I'm not going to get too deep into that but I do know that Nikanen does stand a chance to getting playing time with the Jets in two or three years because just you know, look at his height he's. 6-2. So, he'll he'll get some playing time. Yeah, and with um so I guess this same question is with the with um with uh, our second rounder. This this style of pick, does that does that make you feel better or worse about the what the Jets scouts are, are deciding to go with here? No, I think this is a I think this is a very good pick for the Jets. They him and uh Hinoa, you know, uh the first round pick right. are when they, when they go Finland, they tend to do very well. And I would say that both of these guys wind up on the NHL roster in two or three years. Well, that would be uh that would be good news for Jets fans basically to have a successful draft like that. I think usually the rule of thumb is if you can get two, two NHLers out of a draft, you're feeling pretty happy. Is that uh is that about right? Yeah. If 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 one is pretty good, two's very good. Any more than that's just gravy. That's why the Jets' 2015 and 13 drafts are typically looked at as their best. 
Well, I think speaking of, was it their 2014th or 2015th? No, the 2013th. I'm just going to throw us back to, uh, if you're an optimist and you're thinking about what the Jets, Winnipeg Jets scouts can do in the fourth round, you are thinking of Andrew Kopp, picked at 104th overall in the fourth round. So, obviously, um, he's a player that had definitely something of a breakout season last year, not so much in terms of necessarily minutes played, but... Uh, just in terms of production and uh, and results, just as a real solid two-way player, uh, was a uh, was a solid pick for the Jets in the fourth round back in in 2013. Uh, meanwhile, if you are a pessimist, then you're thinking about guys like uh, looks like Zach Ewan gets to take that uh, gets to take that title. Uh, with uh, if you are a real pessimist, then you're thinking of guys like Jan Kostalik, Chase DeLeo, Michael Spachek, who have not yet made it, but but it's definitely still too early, uh, still too early to call it on those guys. There's some promise there still. So is Kostelek still in the system? That's a great question. Actually, I'd have to be able to uh, multitask to look that up. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yep. Still in the system. Uh, he is not. No, he just finished up the year with uh, Sparta Praha in the Czech league. He's uh, 24, by the way. Right. Um, he put up 16 points in 40 games. So actually, I'm guessing that's not that bad for um, uh, for the European League over there. Then. No, I, I mean, I would assume that he's one of their higher players, just going by what I, mm-hmm. what I know about the, the Czech league as compared to the American mm-hmm. leagues. Because you, Jan Kostelik, at the time I remember was kind of a seen as a pretty savvy pick that could really work out well uh, for the Jets, if I recall correctly. I, I was high on him. That was yeah. a pick that I was pretty high on at the time. And it, I guess, kind of didn't work out, but yeah. it happens. Yeah, it happens. Well, moving on to the uh, fifth round, uh, the Jets' favorite round this year, because they had two players uh, to select in the fifth round. They had uh, a forward named Harrison Blydell. I believe it pronounced, it's pronounced Blydell. Uh, they picked him at 134, and they got a goalie, Logan Neaton, at 144. So what did the Jets get in uh, these two? That is a great question. Because I'm not exactly sure. I mean, just c- combing over numbers, I mean, you have... Uh, Blydell, who put up 58 and 51 in the BCHL. And the BCHL guys have been getting a lot of love lately. And it's shown that when you take a guy out of the BCHL, you're not just getting some scrub nobody. uh, Who was it? Uh, Kale McCarr was BCHL. That's right, yep. I mean, there's obviously still talent there. Uh, he's heading off to North Dakota in two years. He'll be there for the 2020-2021 season. So I, I, I don't know too much about him. He was ranked as high as 61, and the Jets got him at 134. So, I mean, that that's a good value pick. The only The only ranking that had him below... 134 was McKean's hockey who had him at 141. So in general, this is kind of a guy that most people were thinking would be kind of a kind of an early fourth round sort of guy, and the Jets were able to get him uh, with their first pick in the fifth round then. Yeah, it's, I mean, this was a true lottery p- ticket pick because, I mean, this is just me saying I don't know enough about him to really get a good gauge. I mean, he puts about a point per almost every season he's had, barring his first year in the BCHL. A couple, yeah, a couple weeks he had over a point per. And they drafted a Canadian, which I know will make some people in the fan base happy. Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm also, <laughs> we also saw Don Cherry's tweet today where <laughs> he had this like bizarre link to like a paragraph that he had written it was like that uh, Stephen a smith tweet oh yeah it's 
it's just kind of it just kind of at this point is going in the museum of bad tweets by him and yeah well don don's consistent if nothing else he sure loves his canadian uh his canadian boys eh so oh he so was uh, happy that the jets did draft at least one canadian even if they waited till the fifth round to do so <laughs> like he didn't even seem mad that they the leafs didn't take a canadian he just seemed he just seemed upset like he seemed like depressed like he was he just had given up on the leafs in general <laughs> So as an American, by the way, what do you uh, what do you guys think of Don Cherry? What does he mean? Like, if you're a guy that's if you're a young guy into hockey in the states, do you guys are you guys aware of Don Cherry down there? What I am. He, what does he mean? Uh, no, uh, he's he's a fossil. He's a total fucking annoyance. Um, he's a big obstacle to hockey gaining any traction with just the style of game that. He insists the league still plays. Um, and this is just speaking for me. I I don't want to see staged fights and all that dumb shit. And that's stuff that Don Cherry still is very okay with. I'd much rather see the fast, skill-based European-style game that Cherry would have a conniption if he actually saw. And I love when teams are drafting from Scandinavia, Finland, Sweden. Most of my favorite players are from either Finland or Sweden. Yeah, you gotta love the Swedes. I uh, I know I know that's been definitely something for my life as a hockey fan. I've definitely been become a lot more a fan of uh, just like the this like defenseman factory that seems to have been built in Sweden like ever since Nick Puss Lidstrom, right? And uh, yeah, that's. I've always just appreciated that so much. I mean, as far as Don Cherry goes, I grew up. Uh, I grew up like, and he was like, I watched like his Rock'em Sock'em VHS tapes, and it was like, like I remember, and I remember everyone would like kind of stop and listen to what he had to say, man, during during first intermission, and um, so I definitely still have like a spot in my heart for him, but uh, it's definitely a little bit disappointing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a little bit disappointing that he hasn't kind of changed with the times just a little bit more on some of this stuff because, yeah, there's kind of the, the, the brand of hockey that he advocates also happens to have some pretty serious health consequences for some guys as, as well yeah. as being just kind of visually not, not appealing or, you know, not to a lot of people's taste. But, um, but uh, I mean, he's entitled to that, but sometimes I think he goes a little bit too far still, so. Oh yeah, no. I I used to be that. I used to have that mentality, like to a T. Like I loved all the fights, all that. And then, funny, like one of my favorite players to play as in like the NHL games was Derek Bugard. And then, once he passed away, it like really hit me that like this shit's not okay. And I like instantly flipped. I don't think I said a story I've ever told either. Huh. I um. It actually that actually reminds me of a different one where, and I think we'll get back to we'll get back to the podcast right away. But just I had a friend who was hitchhiking in the states, and he ended up getting picked up by this like super bulk like this guy was like uh just like just like clearly just like made of like muscle and and uh, and uh, and everything. Anyways, he turns out he was a former NFL player. Um. But uh, but my buddy was like li- like getting a ride from this guy, and this guy was talking on his cell phone with someone, just like asking for money, like describing like these like tiny details of his life as if he needed help living his life, and that's exactly what it was. He he basically was talking to his parents. They were going for um, uh, they were going for yeah, like it's like he just he needed support from his parents, and this guy was like in his thirties, and he was a former NFL player. Like my buddy was not into sports at all. But I just walked away from this, and I've, ever since then, I was like, "Like, holy shit, this stuff really affects people." And this guy ended up having like a five-year NFL career or something, played in the Super Bowl, and my non-sports buddy was just like, just kind of just like, "Holy shitting the whole way, just just wild stuff." And yeah, I remember, I remember scrolling on Facebook, and there was I for I can't remember who the player was. I mean, he had a he was a defenseman. He had a kind of decent career. 
he was selling his possessions on Facebook to feed his kids while we got a tryout. Like, as he was trying to get a pro tryout with the Jets. I can't remember his name, and I kind of don't want to say it on here if right. I do remember, just because it, it, it's tragic. And seeing all that, I don't know how you can still be super pro fighting. I get it definitely has a place, but after that, there's no excuse. Yeah, especially for something that's just entertainment. So, anyways, we're going to steer this clear. I did, while we were talking, I did dig up a reason to uh, to actually care about Harrison Blydell. Uh, no offense, Harrison, but uh, I got a quote here uh, that's on Dmitry Filipovic's Twitter. Uh, he says, just heard a prospect, Harrison Blydell, uh, earnestly say, quote, I compare myself to Brad Marchand, just obviously without doing all of that other stuff. So, uh, let's hope um, let's hope that he's saying that he doesn't uh, pee and defecate on random cars in uh, in downtown Winnipeg when he comes to town for training camp. So let's anyways. not get too hasty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, if he uh, if he <laughs> if he licks somebody in camp, then uh, he should be an automatic fan favorite. But that's <laughs> that's me who actually likes Brad Marchand. I uh, I actually do too. I just it's wild some of the stories that you hear from about him in Halifax. Uh, oh, I know. But even as far as the on ice stuff goes, I mean, what would happen if uh, if this guy tries to lick Blake Wheeler or something in training camp? Eh? <laughs> oh, I would lo- I would love to see it. <laughs> okay, well, let's give some due to uh, the Jets' final pick uh, in their second and the fifth round. Uh, uh, goalie by the name of Logan Neaton, uh, one forty four. Uh, what, have you, what have you heard about him? What do you think the Jets are doing there? As bad as it is, really the only thing I've heard about him is that he trains with Connor Hellebuck and how basically the the kind of meme, I guess, that's going around is that, oh, the Jets just drafted Connor Hellebuck again. A player that had decent to mediocre stats in a lower-tier junior league. They're both going to UMass Lowell. They're both from Michigan. They're both around the same height, same size, both fifth round. And obviously, Neaton trains with Hellebuck. So the talk is that it's just Connor Hellebuck again. (laughs) I mean, not saying that like it's a bad thing, but I mean, if you obviously struck with him, so. Why not do it again? Well, we uh, we definitely are. At, we're definitely going to search for any kind of meaning or storyline with fifth round picks. So I'm uh, really glad to have that uh, to key it, to to latch onto. So that's great. Uh, I also actually have some uh, some primary research that I did actually that I'm going to share with you, which is that uh, when they draft by drafting Logan Neaton, the goaltender at 144. Uh, that's now the fourth year in a row that the Jets have drafted a goalie in round five or later. So we've done that four years in a row, dating back to 2016 uh, with uh, Mikhail Burden, who seems to be doing very well uh, so far in his young pro career. So I just thought that was a little interesting, just taking those late late flyers on goalies, eh? Yeah, now I'm trying to think who the 17 was. I know the 18 was Jared Moe, and then now 19 is Neaton. Who is the 2017 pick? I got it here. It's a uh, Swedish goaltender named that's Arvid, right. Arvid Holm. Yep, that's right. Yeah. That was one that uh, um, the Moose goalie coach was a big fan of. Right, that's right. What's the story? The Moose's goalie coach, is he a North American or is he, or is he Swedish? Like, how did he, make, how did he have an opinion on a young Swedish guy? I believe he's French-Canadian. But I I just remember when the pick came out, I looked at his numbers and I'm like, all right, these are kind of shitty. But a friend of the show, Garrett, uh, I believe it was Garrett. Somebody said that, oh, yeah, this is a guy that uh, St. Croix is a fan of. So that was enough for me to change my tune on him. 
Well, and goalies are famous. Uh, they're famously slow to uh, to develop, or at least that's the standard uh, narrative that's out there. So, um, so either way, yeah, we'll see. I, I kind of like the idea of of uh, of drafting goaltenders late. It just I, I feel like that's something that people have been kind of pointing towards as a relatively smart move to do, uh, especially because to me, just you, it's so much of a mental training and physical repetition kind of thing with goaltending. Uh, where kind of like kind of like baseball, it seems to me, where it's just this repetition thing, and 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 sometimes it's sometimes that that talent can be born out of repetition in a way, like with your mental outlook and and your hard work. And I think I think that's that kind of seems to me that that that's where it makes sense to be picking goalies, anyways. So yeah, there's I not to shit on the Florida Panthers, but taking a goalie that high. There's a reason that not too many people do it anymore. It's like there's a reason that nobody takes running backs as high as they do anymore in the NFL. It's you can find talent basically anywhere. So try and get as you don't you don't draft for position, but you don't need to risk for a goalie when you can find somebody like a Connor Hellebuck in the fifth round right. or, or a burden who is looking to be likely the Jets backup of the future. Right. Well, as far as the Jets, how the Jets have done with their fifth round picks, they, um, if you're an optimist, and you're thinking the Jets are going to do great. You will look to uh, Logan Neaton's uh, good buddy, Connor Hellebuck was taken 130th overall back in 2012 in the fifth round uh, with the runner-up going to Tucker Pullman, who looks like he's finally going to get his chance in the NHL now next year at the young age of approximately 51 years young. So so hats off to Tucker Pullman and, uh, and uh, being drafted in the fifth round. Uh, we also wish Austin Brassard, our 2011 fifth rounder, who we... Uh, who I've never heard of since then. So he's he's also the other way that fifth round picks can go. So let's get some some F's in the chat for Austin Broussard. Uh but uh, yeah, Tuck, <laughs> Tuck, Tuck, I you know, my mind is completely blanked out. Uh, yeah, Tucker Pullman, who is I I think thirty at this point and is going to have his rookie year. Um, he's between thirty and fifty. It's actually with. With we don't have good birth records at this point anymore, so no, it's it's like minute bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> came into the league at like forty five, but nobody knows. <laughs> Last I checked, he was Shifley's age, but who looks much older than he is too? We should probably look into that guy. I Shifley? Shifley? I always think Shifley looks at least three or four years older than he does. Oh, see, I think he looks younger for his age. I think he's oh. what? I think he's like twenty six now. Uh, I mean, see, he's low key. I mean, people, everyone, we're going to be think we, we in our, sorry, I'm stuttering here, but but uh, Mark Shifley is is actually like not that young anymore, right? Like he's no, he's, he's 26. Prime. Yeah, no, Mark Shifley is 26. He's, I remember. Yeah. yeah, he's only three years older than me, which makes me feel. Uh, why the hell wasn't I drafted? Well, I'm just trying to think because I'm uh, I'm turning 34 this year, and I'm just thank goodness Dustin Bufflin exists because uh, I don't know what I'm gonna feel when all the players in the Jets are younger than me. So yeah, it's uh, especially when my primary hockey interest is junior hockey, and just to get in my my career a little bit, I basically my life revolves around high school sports. So it's definitely weird when me being 23 and I still kind of feel like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just I'm still just a kid. It's just me talking with a bunch of other kids about sports. No, no, I'm I'm a full grown adult. <laughs> Especially when they're yep. like taller than me. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a losing game uh, if we keep if we keep thinking like we are right now because uh, the athletes, especially in the NHL, seem to only be getting younger and younger. It seems to be the way the league is skewing. So we're just gonna have to get used to it, man. That's just the uh, way it is. I've given up on uh, getting drafted. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we'll see. I mean, if the NHL keeps adding a team every year, eventually they're going to have to look at, uh, you know, some missed picks from previous years, like the uh, <clears throat> 1985 birth year. Let's go, boys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Okay, I got one more question for you. Or no, sorry. I, I got a few more questions, actually. But I wanted to just – so we talk about each individual player and everything, and I always feel like the NHL entry draft would be the greatest thing ever for the Jets with the only hiccup being the fact that uh, there's 30 other NHL teams, teams that are also drafting players. So, like, do you have a sense of – do you have a sense or have you heard kind of how people feel the Jets have done just overall or, or, in, or in comparison to the rest of the league in terms of how do the Jets stack their cupboards compared to uh, maybe what they should have given their, their picks that they had available or just compared to what some of the other teams have done in the NHL uh, uh, in the last couple of days here? I mean, my opinion on the Jets draft is relatively close to the consensus from what I've seen is the Jets had a, a good good to very good draft, couple little hiccups, but nothing too, too bad. There was no catastrophic trade-up for Logan Stanley pick or that one defenseman they took a couple years ago in like the fourth round where there was still a bunch of good talent on the board. That uh, Swedish defenseman, I can't remember. Uh, Cedarholm. Right, that's his Cedarholm. Name. Yeah, Another there was, big defenseman, right? Yep, there was no disaster of a pick like that. So right there, you kind of can't go wrong. Um, they did well, but there are quite a few teams that did better. Uh, my Colorado Avalanche did quite well. Uh Carolina, another team did that did very well. I'm just going over right now many Elks draft grades, and the Jets are right around I upper middle level. They got a, a B grade. Very decent, but nothing world shattering. But I keep circling back. The pick of Hainola is what's going to make this draft for the Jets. They got what very well could have been a top 10 talent at pick 20. And there's nothing bad you can say about that. Yeah, I'm looking back at some previous Jets picks. Like we got, you know, we were fortunate to get Kyle Connor at 17. Uh, traded up to get Logan Stanley at 18, which, who in all fairness, like the jury is still definitely, uh, definitely out on. Oh yeah, no, um, I've, I've not. Uh, I guess the term would be sweetened on Stanley since he was picked. I think that he can actually become an NHL player now, but it'll be like a Tyler Myers. So everybody is still going to be on his shit. But at least he'll be there and be able to make some impact. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, again, like you can kind of you get excited about the guys that can be first liners or top six or top pair defensemen. But every organization needs uh, they need third pair defensemen uh, and they they need ones that can. Yeah, that can just outperform their competition on the third pair or teams need seventh and eighth defensemen, too, like they when they're gearing up for this year's playoff run, like if you look on cap friendly, the reason why the jets don't have uh, seventh round draft picks for the next two years. Well, one of them was because they also need leadership in the form of Matt Hendricks, but, uh, but they, you know, they, you give up a, a late round asset, like a seventh round pick to acquire Bogdan Kisilevich, uh just to be your depth defenseman. And, and um, it's, it's not, it's obviously not uh, it's not a hugely impactful trades typically when those are involved, but but yeah, you wanna you wanna bring those guys into your system and hey, like worst case scenario, uh, you have a solid defense core to be making breakout passes to your forwards at the AHL level. So um, yeah, no, definitely support Logan Stanley 100. percent Let's let's go let's go Logan. Let's do it. No, my uh, my logic when it comes to depth players is. You're not going to get a better third-pairing defenseman than a second-pairing defenseman. As in, if you can find players that, just underrated gems, 
like Zach Redman when he was with the Jets or a Paul Postma who played very well, who are third pair players but can give you the second pair impact sneakily. That's that's your best third pair is if you can find sneaky guys and the best defensemen are the players that you hear nothing about. They don't stand out. They aren't flashy. It's the same with goaltenders. Right, which actually reminds me of Vili um, uh, Hainola. One of the comparisons that I saw thrown out there was Toby Enstrom, former defenseman. So, yes. Which is a great example of someone who's the flashiest thing about him is that he's super tiny uh, and still uses a long stick. So, Which is super, uh, not actually very interesting or flashy at all, but he, he, got, he got the job done and... Um, and uh, I think I think basically Jets fans should be should be pretty should be pretty excited if they get something something in the realm of, of that uh, from Billy Hainola, I would suppose. Hey. Oh yeah, but but he's he's small. Right. Yeah. yeah he, he's he's not big, so that no. Sucks, but. Bad bad pick. <laughs> no. Hey, do uh, you have a do you have another? I'm just wondering because you follow some of the you follow some some young. Uh, some of these young hockey players a lot more than the rest of us. I'm just wondering if you have a favorite player that was drafted this year that you want to uh, maybe give a shout out to, like a pick that you really liked. It doesn't have to be the Jets, uh, but just something where you can get it in podcast form and then you get bragging rights for uh, for all eternity if he uh, if and when he turns out and makes it big. Oh well, yeah, I have a I have a couple of those. Um, Throw them out there. Uh, Matt Boldy, who has taken nine or twelve to the Minnesota Wild. They have a good player there. I got to see him in person in my line of work. Um, it, it's kind of obvious, but I'm going to throw Capo Caco on the mix. Uh, kid, it, he, he was the best player in the draft. And he's going to make uh, the New York Rangers very happy in a couple years. Uh, Nolan Foote. I I love the Foot family. Adam Foot's my favorite player of all time. Um, I know that that's a weird one, but yeah, favorite player of all time. Nolan Foot gets to be with his brother now with the Lightning, right? Um, and then a bit of a later round, uh, Matthias McKelly was drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. Another player that I got to see quite a bit of. His rankings were all over the board, anywhere from 49 to 186. Um, from what I saw of him in the USHL, he was a solid player with Dubuque. And he could wind up playing his way onto the Coyotes roster in probably three or four years. Wow, well... Uh, I guess as uh, self-interested Jets fans, I hope that all of your positive predictions that you just listed, uh, hopefully you're wrong. And no, of course I'd be wrong to to wish uh, to wish anyone well, and probably bad luck. So on our own draft picks. So. Um, oh no, yeah, no, I know was. My oh, bad. No, I was just going to ask one more Jets question, but okay. uh, but you should finish what you were going to say. Oh yeah, I was going to say uh, after all this talk I've done praising Hainola, um, he's totally screwed now. I'm going to shake the hell out of him <laughs> yeah exactly well we're gonna go slander him uh online uh on our, with our twitter accounts we're gonna at him we're gonna at him and uh just just say how much we think that he's gonna suck and the yeah, always someone else so always at always players. At the players yes yeah always. they should have should have taken Vlasic. yeah <laughs> exactly uh, cool. Okay. Well, I want to finish off just one. Uh, uh, well, that last question for you, it's not about the draft, but we alluded to it earlier. We're recording this uh, still soon after the Jacob Truba trade. Uh, so I have to ask you, uh, what do you make of the trade? Good trade, bad trade. It's complicated. What do you think? Oh, I, I wasn't joking when I said it. They were my Colorado avalanche. Uh, no, um, it it was it was a very bad trade, but it seems like it's the best that Kevin. Uh, I just I don't know why I called him Kevin. It's the best that Chevy could do. I still feel like you could have got a better offer out of the Islanders if it if New York was the destination. I don't see the difference in the Rangers and the Islanders, 
And I think the Islanders could have put together a much better offer than your own first round pick and Neil Pionk. Uh, I, it, it bad. I don't like it. I miss, I miss Truba. I have the two jerseys of his hanging in my closet. And I might go cry into them when I go to bed. Well, uh, you won't be the only person that uh, that's feeling like they're going to cry. I still think it's a bit in the rearview mirror now, and I think most of us have made peace with it. But uh, we'll see. I hope that um, I hope that uh, that Na- uh, Neil Pionk and and now Billy Hainola can help us can help us forget about Jacob Truba. <laughs> I don't think that that I don't have a lot of confidence in the words that I'm saying right now, uh, just because Jacob Truba was what was he eighth or ninth overall? Like he was. And he and he lived. He really lived up to the building. Lived up to the building and and became a became a really good defenseman for the Jets. And unfortunately, he is. Unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, he didn't seem to like it here. So, um, so that's too bad. But I believe the official story that it was just his fiance. But I I get the skepticism. I just think there's no point in speculating oh he actually hated it here now he he played played hard when he was with the jets he wants to be with his fiance and if that's true and if if it's true it's admirable and i know he's going to get booed in his first game back and i think it's dumb but i'm not going to police the fans that boo him i'm just going to roast them online and call them stupid. <laughs> and call them stupid. Brian, and I'm th- going to be really honest. I'm going to have. I might have some. Uh, I might be harboring some negative feelings when the Jets open up. Uh, open up the season against the Rangers, coming up in just a few months away. Oh no, I understand. <laughs> I can't stand the. I can't stand the Rangers. So, I just find booing. I think booing is. Uh, booing is a tough one for me, but. But uh, it's catharsis. I think it, it's hard to come across. Look, it's hard to walk away looking, uh, looking better as a fan or as a fan base for just yelling boo at someone. So uh, I think if you want to have like a good chirp or a good chat, that's a great way to go. Oh, no, uh, I agree. Or, uh, or I don't know. Basically, just don't do anything. Uh, don't do half the things that the Islanders fans did when Tavares came back. Although, what did they do? They checked some snakes on the ice, right? That's. Yeah, over no, the I'm, top, over the top, but at least uh, at least it's not booing, I guess. So. That's that's what I'm worried. The jet Jet fans are gonna do something like really stupid and cringy, like the Tavares thing. At least judging by how some of these people act online, right? Yeah, I I really don't want to have to see that, just because it makes everybody look bad. Even the even the assholes online who want the Jets to move because we don't like Tyler Myers. Oh God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely some extremes out there, but yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I think that, I think that uh, we'll, we'll see where that, I guess we'll see where that goes. I think that, um, I think that the whole point of being a fan is, is, has traditionally been to kind of lose the whole rationality thing. But um, at the same time, at the same time, it's also, we get a lot of enjoyment, a lot of us about just really thinking through like, you know, what the Jets 141st uh, selection or 141st uh, 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 player selection in the entry draft is going to do. Right. And we, and we kind of dissect that stuff. So, so, I mean, there's definitely the, the lizard brain and the, um, and the uh, and the developed brain kind of thinking going on in us, but we'll see. I'm definitely not. Uh, I'm definitely thinking that there's going to be some grouchy fans when Truva Truva comes back to Winnipeg next year. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, the best part of my line of work as somebody who gets to just live through sports, I don't really have. I can more or less just follow players now, and it's kind of freeing. Like I don't have to worry about. Oh, I hate X coach or I hate Y player. Um, I could just focus on the players I like to watch, no matter what team they play on. And it's it, it's something kind of freeing about that that I only get to do working in sports. 
not to humble brag, but it there's a like a free feeling of working in sports, and you don't have to be tied to to being devoted to this team or that team. Right. I mean, I definitely get that, and I and I think it's good, like not to be um, not to be a head in the sand, like a head in the sand homer uh, when it comes to that stuff. Although, to be honest, that's always what makes the most sense to me is I, I, I have a brain and I use it most of the time. Um, I just basically think it's, I think it's basically wild and great and hilarious that the jets have a hockey team, like an NHL hockey team in the city again. And, uh, and yeah, so help me. It would take, it would take a lot of really bad moves for me to, uh, for me to not be thinking, you know, basically team first, not organization first, but, but I'm one of the guys that a lot of times is ultimately just, you know, cheering for the sweater. Although I have my favorites, like Toby Enstrom is my favorite ever, and and I definitely hope the Jets don't trade Patrick Line. But, um, yeah, no, but it's cool though. I I definitely think that's a trend that I see with uh, with just because you're a little bit younger than me. That seems to be a bit more of that's kind of the that's kind of the way things are now for for um yeah for I guess the younger demographic and stuff is that it's just way less like constrained by you know cheering for like some you know stiff stupid organization when you get to actually pick the stars and the personalities and skill set that you just really appreciate and and be more devoted to the players so i I actually said a lot more in basketball oh yeah like it's a lot more common in basketball sport man yeah yeah I, i as far as i know i'm kind of the only person in hockey that does it but it's kind of because I have such a devotion to the sport. There's too many good players to kind of just be saddled. And every draft, there get there's more and more. Well, amen. Well, on that uh, note, I'm going to wrap this up just because I see that we're running close to an hour. So... Yeah, didn't you say you wanted this to be, what, 30 minutes? No, no, no. It was exactly as planned. It's going to be right at 56, you know, 45 or something like that. All right. So, uh, that's as right. As I predicted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we thought we were worried that we wouldn't have enough um, uh, things to say about the podcast. But, hey, throw a couple uh, throw a couple concussion tangents in and Don Cherry tangents, and then there you go, right? Oh, yeah, and then me ranting about work and the Truba trade, and that's – Hell, I could have gone way longer about all that, too. Hey, man, don't get me started on work. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, don't get me started. Okay, all right. Give me a plug for, um, give me a plug for, you want to plug your Twitter or anything else? Uh, what do you, what do you, uh, are you writing anything or you want to do uh, your Twitter account here? Um, hell, I don't even really know what to plug. Um, I, I write for newspapers. Uh, you can read those. You can go to this, <laughs> go to the store and buy a newspaper. I won't give out my specific ones for just just yeah, newspapers. Yeah, no, just Order. go go buy a newspaper. Uh, keep the industry alive because <laughs> I like to eat food and I like to have a roof over my head. And if newspapers are still alive, then I'll have a place to work. So if if you want more of me, uh, keep buying newspapers and maybe they'll hire me at your local newspaper okay well that is also like a social conscious thing to do so so props for that um i'm uh i am on twitter i am at mike reason 10 uh the number one zero so yeah i have a great twitter account everyone loves it uh you go read the reviews um so you can do that uh but yeah thanks a lot for listening i think the more important thing is actually uh, if you if you like this podcast, the Jet Center podcast, uh, find us on iTunes, like, rate, all that stuff, subscribe, tell your friends, give it a retweet, uh, because um, yeah, because I think uh, every once in a while we have a good episode and stuff, so it's good to promote that. So um, this wasn't yeah. one of them. Well, you know what? We'll see, and you know it depends. If you if you really hit it on a couple of your predictions and and. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we see a spike in newspaper sales across the country, then we'll know that we made a difference. So, oh, yeah, I, I can't wait to go back and listen to this in five years. And the Jets will only hit on one pick and it'll have been uh, Loonmark. Yeah. 
the one that I said was the most underwhelming pick that they had. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the one that hits and yes. is the star. Okay, well, we'll put a Google alert to come back and listen to this again in uh, five years' time, and, and we'll see how this is going. So, but hey, Brian, thanks a lot for doing this and um, and uh, for helping us get to know some of these uh, some of these new Winnipeg Jets players. Thank you so much. Yep, sure thing. Well, that was it for the episode. Let us know what you think. You can find us on Twitter at Jetcentric. You can mail us at uh, jetcentric at gmail.com if you feel like it. Also go to iTunes, rate us there. Give us four or five stars at least. Leave a comment. Um, It's nice to know you guys are listening and appreciate the stuff that we do. So make sure you show it because if it feels like we're just talking into the abyss, well, it's going to be harder to do this. Anyhow, come back. Check us out soon. Tell everyone else that you know about us. And uh, go Jets, go. I'm Kurt Kilbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.